Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined by Vicky Bibiris, who is a director for Location Location, who actually won uh, the Best Estate Agent Guide in 2020. You're very well known in the industry, Vicky, and thank you for joining me today. And today I'd like to ask you your estate agency story, the ups and the downs, the fears and the frustrations, the hopes and dreams that have got, to, got you to where you are today. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. Thanks for having me. Great. So when did you realise that you wanted to be an estate agent? That's a good question. I was really, really young. Um, my dad uh, had a patisserie in Harringay, North London, and I used to work there a lot, but he was also really interested in property. So he used to always invest in properties and he was a right DIYer. So he had me plastering flats with him at like 11, 12 years old, you know, during my lunch break at work. Um, and I just really enjoyed the idea of everything, property, interior design, buying, selling. Um, so I had a passion from quite young. Okay, a bit of an addiction to homes under the hammer, although I'm sure it wasn't at yeah. that time. So, did you kind of fall into a state agency when you left school? No, I, I fell into banking when I left school. Okay. Um, and, yeah, had a really good run at a bank, made loads of cool friends who, who I'm still close with. But um, I was driving past Location Location's first initial office in Winchmore Hill. Um, and I looked in and it looked absolutely awesome, the shop. And I said to a friend of mine, I'd love to work there. And then the next day, I got a call from a friend who said, oh, I've just got a new job at Location Location. They're opening a new branch in Hackney. Do you want to come down for an interview? And the rest was history. What year was that then? That was 2006. 2006, the market was on fire at that time. Yes. So it was a yeah. So how old were you in 2006? I know you shouldn't ask an age, <laughs> your age, but... I was 20. You were 20. You've yeah. been in banking a few years. Yeah. You just, you just kind of fancied the state agency because the office looked cool and... Got free car. Um, and I got to sort of get into property. I always thought that it would be cool to sort of invest in it. So I thought, let's get to know it. So um, what were those first formative years like, those 2006, 2007? Oh, they were epic because the market was just absolutely booming and I was willing to do whatever it took. So I worked really, really hard, but um, it wasn't that challenging at the time. It was kind of opening doors and writing down offers. And I was like, this is incredible. Um, so, yeah, did very well, very young. Okay, so... Did you, could you see yourself at that point that a state agency was for you for the rest of your life? Or did you kind of see going where your father was going into property investment yourself more? From, from the minute I started, I knew LL was going to be my baby. Um, I absolutely adored it. I loved agency. I loved um, everything about it, really. So I kind of, I knew that I was going to get stuck in and this was my forever thing. You said LL, that's location, location. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't mind me saying, Assad is, is, a, is an extremely... A motivational man but you hadn't actually been you hadn't tasted anyone else you hadn't you hadn't been anywhere else you hadn't been to how did you know location location was for you if you didn't know what you know what good or bad looked like that's a really good point and and obviously there were temptations along the way and you know people calling up and being like hey would you consider coming to work for us but what I loved about location location and Assad in particular was there was no idea that was too crazy it was I was always listened to I was always encouraged and I knew that I could mould and shape, you know, the destiny and future of the business. It was kind of like go and work Even for someone else. Even as a junior else. Nick, you felt Yeah, like yeah, I did. Um, I was really encouraged from really, really young. I think Assad saw in me the, 
the passion and desire to want to grow and succeed. Um, and he loved the, the constant ideas, even though out of 199 of them were stupid, he'd still listen. And I felt heard. Um, and I knew that, especially having worked for my dad, um, how challenging bosses could be. And I felt quite lucky. Um, and effectively, we were learning and growing together. So I felt part yeah. of it. Do you think your colleagues also felt the same at the same time? Um, not always. You know, we've made a lot of mistakes and, and learnt from them over the years. So it wasn't like, you know, we kicked this whole thing off with great leadership and or um, mentorship, so to speak. But from day one, Assad had it in him to kind of listen, hear people out um, and shape things. Where do you think he gets that from? Because let's be honest, most male bosses are, especially estate agency bosses, are quite self-centred and egotistical. That's, those are not two words that I would say Assad has. No, definitely not. But what he wasn't really an estate agent. He worked within a, you know, the development firm of a rival agency opposite us, but for many years. But he's. Uh, we recently did the um, Ray Dalio personality test, which is fantastic. And he's the quiet leader. Um, he definitely uses these more than he uses this, um, and I think to, to great advantage. So it was just a case of him wanting to learn and grow and develop the business and then sort of understanding that in order to do that he had to learn grow and develop himself as well as his people and that's where it kind of came from 2008 hit and things went proverbially tits up yeah how did that hit you how did that hit location location first pretty hard um we were a relatively new business you know we'd only been doing it for a couple of years and we didn't really have uh, many properties under management. We weren't really that focused on lettings because sales was flying. So it was, it was like, like printing money, wasn't it? Yeah, literally. Um, good times. Um, a bit like similarly the last 12 yeah. months. Um, but yeah, we didn't focus on lettings that much. So it was a quick, we've got to adapt really fast and we've got to focus primarily on lettings to get us by. But genuinely, we were on our knees as a business. Um, and then it was quick, focus on lettings and do whatever it takes to make it work how did that make you feel i know you you didn't have any equity in the business at the time but how did that affect you that that change it, quite personally because i genuinely saw the business as mine um so once you didn't actually have any equity you treated it as your own yeah yeah most definitely from but, day one but it wasn't your house on the line was it no not at the time it was assad's um and i think because of his great mentorship and the rest of it was a case of and that was genuinely the case at some points you know it was like i've got to make this work we've got to make this work so it was kind of whatever it takes attitude but it was it was touch and go it was challenging did you see the stress that assad was under at the time or was he good at hiding it i saw it and we had quite an open you know working business relationship but um, yeah, at some points he did try and hide a lot of it, but it was quite apparent he was under a lot of pressure. You, I mean, you were still relatively young, 22, 23 at this age, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had to pivot um, a few of the then sort of managers, sales director, office manager, um, kind of bailed um, what the office manager did. And he went to sort of, he sort of panicked and thought this isn't going to work. Um, you were negative, still a negative time. Yeah, I was kind of, I was, at this point I pivoted and was uh, the lettings manager at the time. Um, and we had to, yeah, make a lot of changes, let a few people go to make things work. Um, so it was really, really hard. Um, but we kind of sat down and made a plan to see 
okay, what can we do? What Let's control the controllables. What can we do to get through this time? Because we knew we were in for quite a run. Okay. But then you bailed out. I did. <laughs> okay. You, you, went so, to, you went to Dubai. Yeah, I went to... Did, I had a, a No, I had a falling out with the office manager. He was this really old school, ex-Foxton's bullish... Uh, hardcore agent and manager and whilst we really got on and I'm not here to, to put him down in any way shape or form it was just his style but he wasn't very nice he like chucked stuff at me if like things were going wrong and um, it, it was he was very difficult to work for and uh, but hold on a second you've had a manager who was being a bully to you but you also had a leader as well in Assad how was that working um, as I found him quite difficult, um, and at the time, obviously with Assad's lack of agency experience, so to speak, it was kind of we were reliant on this guy who'd, you know, been a manager at a, another agency or a number of agencies for a really long time. We were reliant on his experience and his knowledge. And he was extremely knowledgeable. He was just a terrible tyrant. It was like working for Saddam Hussein, so it was quite <laughs> challenging. So we ended up having a massive falling out. I was working my backside off. He was strolling in at 10, 11, demanding his coffee on the table when he arrived. So um, it was difficult. And I kind of felt like, you know what? I've put everything into this. Um, it's not working out. I was lucky to have a few friends over in Dubai who were like, you're mad. It's crazy over here. Everyone's making so much money and really loving life. And it was like, well, let's try it. And so I bailed. So when did you leave in 08? I left, oh, I was kind of September, October, 08, um, and I came okay, So we were quite, quite the way through the, the, you know, the bad times in 08. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. did Assad say to you when you had your notice in? Um, it, it, was, it was a little bit gutted, I think. Um, and he was like, are you sure? Um, you know, we can make this work. Um, but I was kind of set once I'd made a decision. I was like, so I need to try it. You, ju you, you jumped on an Emirates flight over mm -hmm. to Dubai. Yep. What was that like? Um, it was exciting, it was daunting, I was really young, my mum was devastated, my friends were crushed. I remember us driving to the airport with like a number of cars side by side and everyone, yeah, joining me at the airport before I left. And it was emotional and it was scary, but I was definitely outside my comfort zone. <laughs> what fears did you have about going over there? Is it going to work? Um, my sister was pregnant with my nephew at the time and I was devastated about that. My nieces and nephews I absolutely adore. So that I found the hardest thing. Leaving location location was, was hard. It was really hard. Like I'd put everything into that. So I was you come from a Greek background anyway, which is big on family, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, your sister's kids are almost like there's almost you're almost like a surrogate mother to yeah, them. Yeah, literally, you? literally. And my mum was crying, she was like, No, please don't go. Like genuinely, my friends would call me in Dubai and be like, I've just seen your mum in Mark's suspenses and she was crying for forty five minutes. So like, okay, sorry about that. But yeah, it wasn't long after before I returned. Why did you return? So I landed in Dubai and the I picked up a newspaper called Seven Days and it was like for the first time in 20 years, not a single sale had been recorded. Their market crashed upon my arrival, almost worse than ours had. So basically, you caused the Dubai property market crash. Unfortunately. Okay, so now, we, now we know. <laughs> okay, so how long before you came back? Um, six months.
Do you think you could have come, come back sooner or were you just think to yourself, I've got to stay out there? Oh, I definitely could have come back sooner, but I was living a pretty great life, having some amazing friends out there. But um, how are you funding this? <laughs> I had obviously saved up a fair bit of money from working as an agent. Um, so basically it was a six-month holiday? Yeah, basically. I took it right to the wire. Um, I made a few, a little bit of money out there, so it was kind of getting me by. And I could have come back sooner, but I, I dragged it out a bit. Weren't you worried what people would think about you coming back? A little bit, but not really. It was more a case of I, I just wanted to make my mum's, uh, you know. I know your mum would, your mum would have, would love you back. But I'm talking about people, uh, location, location, and the people in the North London Estate Agency that were kind of proved you wrong. Uh, I wasn't really bothered about. I mean, listen, Asab was calling me constantly, as was my old manager. Funny enough, asking me to come back. So there was kind of no concern there that I'd come back with tail between my legs. I tried, you know. Weren't you worried, though, that what other people would think? Because there's plenty of people out there that, you know, don't even make the move over to self-employed because they're worried <laughs> about the failure that they'll have or what people think of them. Do you know what? I don't think it was a massive concern at the time. It's not like loads of people knew who I was. Um, you know, why would they? I was just a young agent from Hackney. Is that your bringing up, the fact that you don't worry what other people... No, my bringing up is is the absolute opposite. It's absolutely worry what everybody thinks, you know, like um, I was brought up being told that you had to respect yourself. Um, you can't expect others to respect you if you don't respect yourself and be conscious of who you are and what you do and what people say about you. So it was do you the opposite. Think, do you think that because that was probably ingrained into you on a personal life, you didn't really give a shit what people think about you on a professional? Yeah. Yeah, from a personal perspective, I'm more concerned than I am from a professional one. I embrace mistakes. Um, I love them. I live and breathe them because I learn from them. But it sounds like you don't worry what other people think about you, even on a personal nature, because you've already programmed your head because your parents have told you to respect yourself and make sure you, know, you, you go with your head held high and don't let yourself down. I try to live in a way where if someone was to speak badly of me, no one would believe it. So if you just live and breathe your values, have values and principles in the first place, then... And, and that's come from your parents, is it? Very much so, but also things that I've learned um, myself, constant reading, learning, watching videos, success leaves clues, so just seeing what the people like I, that I'd like to be like, what are they like, how do they live? Um, and so it's been a big shift moving from being completely paranoid and debilitated by pe what people might think about me to actually embrace it if you fall down great. And what advice know. would you give to people watching this if they're worried about what people will think about them? Um, it's none of your business. They worry about paying a mortgage, do they? No, it's none of your business what people think about you and you're not for everyone and everyone's not for you and that's absolutely fine. I mean, listen, I find even things like this extremely challenging, you know, but well, every even time... Even you, the great Vicky B. <laughs> more than most, um, more than most, but ultimately it's the getting out your comfort zone is where the magic happens you know the opportunities that you say yes to could lead on to something pretty special when you say no nothing changes um which is actually something that there was a great talk at the property academy or member session last week they had an incredible speaker called anthony bennett a really young guy who um survived some things that he pretty much shouldn't have um, and he did an amazing talk and and i took that from him it was like you know say no and nothing changes that say yes and, and you don't know what opportunities you'll be confronted by. So. so you came back, not with your tail between your legs, but certainly not cocksure, pardon mm, the pun. Yeah. Um, Assad 
welcomed you back with open arms. Yes. Did you go in as, what, senior neg? Yeah, went back manager? in kind of senior neg lettings manager, but yeah. shortly into that, the, the set manager that we were talking about before was obviously giving everyone a pretty hard time. He was very stressed, as you can imagine. Um, we were trying to get back to our feet, and um, he went away for like a week or 10 days, so I was kind of, you know, managing the team. Uh, in his absence and then the kind of guys were going behind my back and running to us and saying we want Vicky to be our manager like this is so much fun and um, H is not very nice and Assad was kind of like yeah it's time to get rid of him so I was 23 24 years old Assad let the old manager go and put me in his place quite young to be a manager yeah I don't know whether it's a good or bad thing but um, I made a lot of mistakes what were your biggest mistakes um, I obviously had a very terrible example in my previous manager, mm -hmm. but it's all I kind of knew in terms of how to look after Did a team. Did you try and go the other way and try to be everyone's friend? Didn't Initially, I kind of probably mimicked him a little bit too much. You mimicked um, him? Oh, yeah. Mimicked, I kind of learned his way, and whilst I knew it was a terrible way, it was the only real example I'd been set apart from Assad's leadership, and I'm quite a fiery, passionate, no. person as it is really? <laughs> um, and so it was that definitely translated and I think the biggest mistakes I made was in my early leadership days um, for sure how did you recognize those mistakes you could see I wasn't making people feel very great in many instances that you know one minute I'd elevate them up here and then the other minute I'd tear them back down and I I'm very empathetic, so I feel everything. Um, you take it almost too personally. Yeah. Now, so I'd make... You were, you, were, you were revving them up. Yeah. You're, you were then shooting them down, and then you felt really bad. <laughs> Literally so more. Um, yeah. When did you break that cycle? Um, I, I obviously realised really early on that something's got to give here. And I loved reading from the early stages of my career, so... I read a lot of books on leadership. Because um, you'd have been in your mid-twenties by now. Yeah. This is not normal for a, you know, a 22, 24, 25-year-old estate agency no. person to no, read leadership books. Well, again, Assad, I loved things like early on, and I think it's a great book as an introduction into this world, but The Secret was something that I read really, really early on, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. So I started diving into the science behind mm -hmm. it, understanding, you know, uh, how the brain works more than anything. And then it was like, okay, rewire. Um, and so I started trying to rewire my own brain. Um, and that, I'd like to think, went quite well. Where do you think that questioning and, and thirst for knowledge come, came from? Because this is not normal activity for a state agent. It was just a real burning desire to grow, learn and achieve. It was like, right, okay. And was that, did that come from your father or your mother or? Both, um, both. Um, Assad helped massively with the constant encouragement. He'd recommend I read something, I'd go and read it, I'd come back, I'd have someone to discuss it with. Um, so I was being encouraged at home uh, and at work. Um, yeah, and my dad set an incredible example in terms of um, work ethic but he was a bit of a brutal leader as well, so I didn't have the best example there. So it was like, do it your own way, figure it out. Yep, your mum, is she a little bit more softer and more? Oh, massively. So we've got Gordon Ramsay, or the Greek version of, 
Um, and then my mum's this massive, big, softy. Okay. So what happened in 2010 and 11? When did you start to become, because you, you eventually became a partner in the business, didn't you? Mm -hmm. when, yeah. What year was that? That was 2015, I think. Okay, so let's roll it back. So what were those years between 2010 and 2015? What was happening there at Location, Location? Um, loads of mistakes and learning from them. Okay. <laughs> it was uh, um, trialling loads of different things. Uh, the biggest thing on the agenda was having a team that were happy, learning, training, development, trialling different things, implementing systems and processes, and then constantly working on those and adapting them. Um, yeah, it was just pushing the boundaries on that front. What regrets did you have before before you were made a, a partner? We'll come and talk about the regrets and hopes and dreams afterwards, but during that 2010-15, which was not a bad market again in London. Oh, I wouldn't say especially 2015. Um, it was, there were some other partners in the business at the time. Uh, as I bought them out 2014 and 15 and that's when I joined as a partner um, before then it was kind of listening to too many other people I suppose and not really having clarity on where we wanted to go other people what 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 outsiders friends yeah um, Assad's a couple a family member another professional um, outside of our industry but really savvy chap who wanted to take the business in a complete other direction. The turning point for us, or the breaking point, was where they bought us a bunch of headsets. And we're like, right, you know, this will increase productivity, stick on these headsets. And at that point, and I was still quite young, but I put my foot down and I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> no, we just look like absolute idiots. People are walking past the office. It's not the kind of thing that we'd want to portray. What didn't feel like location location with the kind of team that just sat there quite because again you were saying you looked at that hackney office and you thought that looks really cool but then you look like a t bunch of telephone operators on the call center exactly and it just was like no 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 so i instructed everyone to put them in their drawer and not use them and it was like something's got to give here because they have one vision for the business and we have a complete other do you think assad made a mistake of bringing others in and listening to their because it because you know I mean, this is not against assad but there seems to be that Assad seems to have strengths and obviously weaknesses and by bringing different people in like that old manager yeah. and other people eventually he found out that his equal fit was you wasn't it because what he's got what you're good at and vice versa yeah um I don't think it was so much a mistake I think it was the right decision at the time because like you said you needed people with other skills in order to make it work set the business up and in the right way um but the values weren't aligned so the values and the vision weren't aligned, so we needed to shift at that point. What are the values and vision of location, location? Uh, the values, so there's five values, um, and they are to care and listen to the needs of our community, which ties into our purpose, um, to embrace change through constant innovation, um, to go above and beyond to deliver a world-class service. So they're kind of sentences rather than just core words. Yeah. And in 2000, is that why in 2015, did, did you ask for equity or was it given to you? Um, yeah, a bit of both. It was kind of a mutual conversation where we decided to rebrand, do up the office. Um, things have been going really well at that point. Um, so we kind of started again. We see it as 2014-15, we started afresh. I'm with you. And 
how did your mind change as soon as you became an equity partner or or did it not because you already thought it was yours anyway it didn't it, i genuinely always saw it as mine and i don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing but um definitely helped shape my decisions um taking it that personally um and then it just became do you take mine. it too personally probably yeah okay so 2015 you, you're getting everything rocking and rolling anything notably happened between 15 and obviously 2020 when you won the best estate agent guide um yeah a few things so at that point we started again so we set a very clear very precise five-year vision um we helped we brought in pete wilkinson he's an incredible coach and mentor and still is we, we absolutely adore him ian white he's very good he's he? very good i he? absolutely adore I've him i've listened so, to him a few times yeah being accountable to someone like that is just incredible yeah. uh equally do with check it, him out boys and yeah, girls he is to. very very good yeah he is um ian white oh, lovely. came in and i i could cuddle him all day long and and what okay. mind you know oh don't ask me to smile because it's not pretty but 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 honestly but what uh and he comes across as this big gruff but actually he's a big cuddly oh, yeah, honestly he really he is. is very clever man yeah he very, is very, very sharp we man. call him the oracle at work so yeah. um and he definitely is so we brought in pete wilkinson Ian even though he does follow leads but we'll hold that we'll i hold mean that it can't be perfect can it um and then we joined the property academy agents uh, uh agency mentors so we were just delved into all of the training the learning and surrounding yeah. ourselves with the right people so you were basically taking advice from others because i think that's a huge thing for estate agencies is that their training stops when they've done work for countrywide been on a few courses and then set up their own agency and that's it that's the biggest mistake most people make you're constantly getting the best and do you genuinely feel the likes of Wilco and and Whitey and all the others have helped and obviously Peter Knight with the Prop Academy have basically helped you grow personally and as a business? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, we've always said if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And learning from others, um, like I said before, success leaves clues and you don't know it all. Um, and so even just having people to bounce ideas off of is fantastic. So, yeah, constantly learning and adapting. So, you won the award. How did that make you feel? Um, well, we had it to, so we set the vision in 2015. We were hoping to win it five years later. We won it four years later. Um, and it, were, it was incredible. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, and to be sat there and, and hear your name announced in that way with, with you know, big chunk of your team with you is just an incredible feeling. I'll never forget it. So what's the future for Location Location? Um, doing more of what we do really well. Um, helping people build incredible lives to themselves, positively impacting the lives of the members within our communities, um, pursuing the passion and the purpose. And what about the, the future for you, Vicky? Um, I think my primary focus is helping serve the communities that we do, helping a number of people build really incredible lives to themselves. That That's my personal When you say vision. people, what do you mean? Your, your colleagues? My colleagues, yeah. So my teammates, um, seeing them. And I've hired a few friends over the years as well, um, which most will, a lot of people are like, that's really risky. But I or we hire based on attitude and values. 
Um, and I just knew they were the right people. Skill can be taught, you know, and to now sit back and watch not just my other teammates that have joined us, but also friends, you know, that are building really incredible lives for themselves is for me one of the most fulfilling things. And what are you going to do so you don't get bored? Keep changing, keep innovating, keep growing. Um, you can't yeah, get bored you know, if you keep pushing the boundaries. You know, because you're a woman in your mid-30s now. Yeah. You know, I will warn you, I've just turned 50. It doesn't, you don't feel any different. <laughs> you, just, you just have to go for a wee halfway through the night <laughs> and your bones ache a bit. But um, do you really think you can be doing this for another 30 years? Might not be 30, but in some way, shape or Don't form. Don't give me that BS that you're going to retire at 50, because if you're that good... No, I'm not retiring at 50. Um, I don't think I'll ever retire from working. How it looks and what that's like and when I'll need to step aside for someone better than me to take over and push the boundaries of the business further, that will be the priority. It's whatever's best for the business. You know, when I need to make sure, and this is what I've always focused on doing, is I understand that the business will never outgrow Asad and I. So we always have to keep growing personally to fulfill the potential of the business. It might get to a point, and we're hoping that it does, where it's like, right, I've got taking it this far. Um, it might be time for me to step aside, focus on the business in another way, but have somebody else push the boundaries on where we go. And I'm absolutely okay with that. Um, I just want to make sure that I take it as far as I possibly can, but whatever's best for the business. Can I thank you for your time today? It's been inspirational. Thank you. And, um, I hope you out there in the state of letting agency land have learned a lot. Uh, thank you for your time today, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks very much.